0: Good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, If you're a mom, we are so thankful for you. I hope you're being celebrated well this morning. Maybe somebody has already made you breakfast or they've got lunch started for you. Uh, We are so thankful that God put you in our lives. We thank you for uh, the way you've modeled life and godliness for us. Um, If if you are one of the lucky ones and you're able to see your mom today, you're able to call and talk to your mom today, you are truly blessed. And we want to celebrate mom today and I hope it is just a great, great Mother's Day for you. Uh, We are in a series called a time to plant. Uh, Certainly it is planting season all around us. Many of you have sent in pictures of your gardens, uh, your vegetables, your, your flower gardens, but we're not just talking about vegetables and flowers. We're using that as a metaphor for the way we should be planting and growing in our spiritual lives, in our personal lives, hoping that God uses this season, as strange as it is, that God uses this season in our lives to grow us, to to produce fruit and harvest. Uh, The Bible says that whatever you sow, you also reap. So, a part of this series we're, we're just trying to e- examine what have I been harvesting? Like, w- what's been coming out of my life? And if it's not exactly what I think it should be, how do I change the seeds? How do I change what I'm planting in order to have the harvest that I want and that I believe God wants for me? Uh, we we plant all the time w- with our habits, with our time, with our resources, with the way we spend our day, all of those are acts of planting, gardening, putting seed in the ground. And so we we have to step back and look at those and ask, uh, is that producing what God wants in my life? And if not, how do I change it? I I, I want us to, to, to dig a little deeper and I meant to use that pun. I, I want us to dig a little deeper into the principles we started with last week. We sort of laid a foundation. If you, if you didn't see last week, you can watch it online. But I, I want to dig just a little deeper into the, the principles we talked about last week. Last week we talked about the principles of planting. This week I want to talk about having a plan. For planting. What would it look like if you had a plan to begin planting the right things in your life so that you would get the harvest that God wants for your life? And if, if we're going to make a plan, then the first step is we have to choose where to plant. We have to choose where we're going to invest our time and energy, a, a dedicated space in our lives For planting. Some of you have been sending in pictures of your garden. I appreciate that. Here's what I haven't seen in any of the pictures. I I haven't seen a garden where somebody planted a a tomato plant randomly in the backyard somewhere. And in the middle of the front yard somewhere, they planted another tomato plant. And over on the edge of the property, they put another tomato plant. Or they, they put a zucchini plant right by the driveway. And then they put a pepper plant just next to the mailbox. Nobody haphazardly plants their garden. What we do is we find a spot, we find a good spot, and we put our garden in that one good spot. We separate it from everything else that's going on in our yard. And yes, you may have multiple gardens, but you have dedicated space. This is where I'm going to do my planting. And it's not going to be like the rest of the yard. There's going to be a boundary. There's, there's going to be parameters around this plot of ground because this is where I am going to plant. And we do that for a lot of reasons. Uh, one is we want to find the best place to, to put the garden. We want to find a place that gets plenty of sunshine, which is not what I did I put our garden kind of in a corner of the yard, but uh, our yard's surrounded by woods and tall pine trees, and so my poor plants have to fight for enough sunlight. Don't be like me. Don't be a gardener like me. You, you want to find a plot of ground where there's plenty of sunshine. Put it in the best spot. You, you want to be able to water just one spot. Right? Just for efficiency's sake. You don't want to have to walk all over the yard and water little places all over the yard. You, you want to put your, your vegetable garden all in one spot so you can water it. You can fertilize it all in the same spot. When it's time to pick the harvest, you go to one spot and it's all right there. At the beginning, when you're tilling up the ground, you, you're going to till up one spot and you're going to separate that spot from everything else And this is going to be the spot where you're going to grow something. It's going to allow you you to maximize your effort in that one area. Now, here's a challenge that we have in our lives. And and the challenge is we want to grow, but we don't want to make room for growth. We want things to be different in our life. We want changes to happen. We want to be a different person. We want to have some different characteristics. We want to reach some different goals. But we're not willing to push back the rest of our lives and create a nice, clear space for us to begin to plant. We're we're crowded out in our lives by so many other things that we we don't put a fence around growth. This is what I want to learn. This is how I want to grow. And so, because we don't intentionally do that, we don't grow. And and, and look, I'm just like you. I have these areas in my life too. I have areas in my life where for months, for years, I've thought I would really like to get better at this or i would really like to change this habit i would really like to learn this skill i would really like for this characteristic to be produced more fully in my life and and occasionally i'll listen to a podcast about that or maybe i'll read an article about it or i'll start a book i may not finish it but i'll start a book on that topic and basically basically what i've done with those areas i've just kind of thrown a seed over there and i've Kind of throwing a seed over there, kind of thrown a seed. And I hope that something happens as I randomly kind of plant here and there. What I fail to do sometimes in my life is to say, God wants this for me. God wants me to grow in this area. And so I'm going to carve out a little bit of my day or my week or my month or my life. I'm going to push everything back. Because I need to grow in this area. We need to choose where we're going to plant. If I ask some of you, what's a spiritual area that you want to grow in? Some of you would say prayer. And that's a great answer. Uh, that, that's a great characteristic and discipline to grow in. But then my, my next question would be, okay, where are you planting that See, Where have you carved out in your day some time to pray? And in a lot of us, would say maybe what I would say if you, if you caught me off guard with that question. I'd say, well, you know, I just kind of pray all during the day. And, and I do. I pray all during the day. That's the great thing about prayer. I can talk to God all the time. But here's what i found. If I want to grow in my prayer life, if I want to get better, then I need some focused time in that area in order for it to grow. Bible study is the same way. Many of you, if I ask you, where do you want to grow in your spiritual life? You would say, I wish I read the Bible more. And so my follow-up question is, okay, where's your garden? Where have you set a border and a boundary and determined this time in the morning I'm going to give to reading the Bible, this time at lunch, this time at the end of the day, as I'm driving to work, I'm going to listen to God's word on audio. I'm going I'm to set aside a garden where I can grow. And this applies not just to spiritual areas, it applies to, it applies to your personal area, your work life. If there's a skill you want to gain, if there's some goal you want to achieve, and, and you told somebody about that and they said, well, what are you doing about it? Like, how are you growing in that area? And you said, well, you know, I just kind of think about it every once in a while. Well, that means you don't have a where. You don't have a when and a where that you're actually planting for growth now the difficulty that we face in in the culture that we live in is we're bombarded with distraction we're bombarded with the rest of the yard that that wants to creep into our life and steal away the time and the resources that we could give to growing and time just kind of keeps on passing it just kind of keeps on going and we mean well and we think about it occasionally but we don't ever plant. Do you realize this is the ninth Sunday that we've been online only? We've had eight whole weeks, eight entire weeks of quarantine shelter in place. Jono and I texted about it a little bit. The last time we were all together, think about this, the last time we were all together was Survivor Weekend. This is the ninth Sunday. Time just sort of keeps... Ticking by. I saw this, uh, somebody post this. There have been several versions of it, and so I just picked one of them. Uh, there have been several versions of this post. I always said I would clean my house if I just had more time. Quarantine is proving that is not true. Now, for most of us, we use the excuse that we don't have time. We're too busy, there's too much going on, but I mean, we're in a season now where we we have some more time, most of us. I know not all of us, but, but most of us. We don't have social engagements the last eight weeks. We don't have travel ball. There, there are no school productions. None of that's going on. Some time has been freed up. Where have we been planting? How have we been using that time? Because that time just continues to tick by and often it ticks by with our good intentions that never get planted the proverbs writer addressed this in proverbs chapter 6 go to the ant you sluggard consider its ways and be wise it has no commander no overseer or ruler Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Look at the ant. It it gets to work. It finds a place. It starts planting. It stores up. It has food at harvest. Do something. Choose where you're going to plant. That's what keeps many of us from growing. It's not that we don't know where we should grow. It's not that we don't intend to grow. It's not that we don't want to grow. It's that we haven't decided nothing else is going to infringe on this time because I need to use this time to grow. Now, Jesus talks about a a different aspect of this in John chapter 12. Jesus is spending some of his last moments with his disciples uh, before He's going to be crucified. It's not going to be very long. He's going to be betrayed and he's going to be crucified. And he says this in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Jesus Jesus is about to die. He's going to be buried as a seed would be buried. He's going to rise again. And his message to his disciples, because his disciples aren't going to die and be buried and rise again in the same way that Jesus was. His message to his disciples was not about their dying so much as it was about their living. Jesus says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, in the English translations, we use the same word for life all three times. It's the word life, right? Life, life, life. There's three times that word is used, but in the Greek, it's not the same word. The first two times when Jesus says, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world, anyone who hates their life in this world uh, will keep it for eternal life. That's the third one. The first two, the word life means the natural life, the physical life, this life. My heartbeat your individual life, my individual life. And Jesus challenges the disciples because he's getting ready to leave them. Jesus says, here's what you got to remember. If you're living for this life, if you're living for the physical life, the material life, if you're living for possessions in this life, if you're living for things that end in this life you're not going to be fulfilled instead if you can turn away from that then you will discover what Jesus calls eternal life different Greek word for that life that life means life as God really intended fruitful life an abundant life a a lasting life, not just heaven. He didn't just mean eternal life as in heaven. He meant the life we're intended to live right now with all of its fullness and all of its abundance and all of its meaning and all of its purpose. To use our planting language, Jesus was basically saying, look, you're going to plant seeds for this life only. Right, material life, physical life, what's happening in your life right now, and then you're going to reap stuff that's not going to last. Or you're going to plant in your life for the fulfilling, eternal, good life that God's trying to give you, and that's when you're going to see a harvest. We have to choose where to plant, but we also have to choose what to plant. What are we putting in our garden? Jesus said to the disciples in this moment, Don't keep planting things that aren't going to last very long. Plant those things that are going to give ultimate fulfillment, ultimate meaning. They're going to bear fruit for eternity. You need to be focused on those things. And in this analogy, Jesus points out the obvious because the disciples were just a little slow, kind of like us. Jesus was always putting his teaching way down on the bottom shelf, like the simplest version And so, as an analogy of this planting for eternal life, Jesus said, unless a seed goes into the ground, it can't bear fruit. Unless a seed goes into the ground and and dies, becomes something else, then it can't bear fruit. We need to choose where we plant, and we need to choose what we plant, and we need to choose how we plant. Jesus says that planting the seed begins in the dark. It starts with the unseen. It starts below the surface. The growth in your life and the growth in my life, it starts below the surface. It starts in the dark. Growth starts with the private decisions that you and I make. It, it, It starts with the The private habits that I build with the help of God, the the private habits that I build that you may not know about yet, it it starts with the private choices that I make that eventually are going to produce fruit that other people can see. But it starts in the private mind. It starts below the surface. It starts in the dark. Same thing for you. Your harvest, your growth starts below the surface where no one can see in your private choices, in your private commitments, in your private decisions, in your private habits. If if we want growth, if we want spiritual growth, we have to plant spiritual seeds, meaningful, eternal seeds, and we have to realize A lot of that planting is going to start where nobody sees. Nobody knows it. It doesn't get celebrated. Nobody applauds. It's the private, daily decisions of our life. Jesus expounded on this idea kind of in a different way in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read all six verses, so stay with me. Be careful, Jesus speaking, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, that's an example, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Listen, growth starts in the dark. Growth starts in the dark. It starts underground. It it starts where, where, where people can't see. And Jesus even says, you ought to keep it there as long as you can. You ought, to keep, you ought to keep what God is doing in your life. You ought, to, you ought to keep the growth that God is trying to give you. You ought to keep it underground as long as you can so it'll grow. And come on. That's hard for us in the world that we live in. We're, we're not a keep it underground world. Right? We post pictures of what we ate for Dinner. This is the world we live in. We are in a public, promoted type of world. Our society is not built on private world. Our society is built on public world. You get recognition not for private world. You get recognition for what you put out into the public world. And Jesus argues, but if you want seed to grow, that seed has to go into the dark. That seed has to go underground. Our society is not wired that way. I mean, if you do something charitable for someone else and don't post it on Instagram, did it even happen? If you had a morning devotion and it doesn't make it to your Instagram story, does it even count? And if you don't have the coffee cup and the Bible open, and it, if that picture doesn't make it into your Instagram story, I mean, did, did that devotion actually happen? This is the world we live in. We live in the promoted public world. And Jesus said, no, 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 the seed goes underground. When you give, don't let anybody know about it. When you pray, don't do it publicly. Go into your room and you just talk to God and he's going to hear you and he's going to reward you for what you do in private. We live in a world, if if it didn't get tweeted, it didn't happen. If it wasn't posted on Facebook, it it didn't happen. We need to order our private world because growth starts in the dark. Here's a concern I have for me. Here's a concern I have for us. We are so committed to promoting a spiritual life, but we're not committed to cultivating a private spiritual life. We're so committed to promoting a public spiritual life, but we don't seem to be as committed to cultivating a private spiritual life. Listen, growth starts in the dark. It starts where nobody sees in the private choices that you and I make in our lives. Just us and God. That's where growth starts. Now, not only does it start in the dark. Growth is usually accompanied by struggle. Nobody wants to hear that. Growth is usually accompanied by struggle. Unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, unless there's a struggle there. Roots struggle to find nourishment and water. Sprouts struggle to push through the surface, reaching towards the sun. There's this struggle for growth. Growth almost always is accompanied by struggles. We were talking about this topic in our staff meeting This has been weeks ago. I think we were still having in-person staff meetings way back then, before we started having Zoom staff meetings. We were talking about this series. We were talking about this topic. And Zach, our worship leader, um, and his wife, Nicole, they have two beautiful little girls. And, and, And as we were talking about this topic, Zach made this statement. Every milestone the girls reach is accompanied by sleepless nights. Think about that. That's brilliant. Zach the philosopher. Every milestone the girls reach, little baby girls that he has, beautiful girls. Every milestone they reach is accompanied by sleepless nights. He's absolutely right. You, You bring a child home from the hospital and there's not much sleep going on in that household. That's a wonderful milestone. Bring the first baby home celebrate, but there's not a lot of sleep. There's a lot of sleepless nights going on. They get teeth. That's a wonderful milestone. Look, you're starting to get some teeth. They start chewing and gnawing, but at the same time, they, they don't feel well. They run a fever. It, it bothers them. You're not getting a whole lot of sleep. If you have a teething child. Every milestone with children is accompanied by sleepless nights. A, a, a lot of times, I don't know the whole physiology of this, but a lot of times as kids are growing, their legs hurt. So mommy, daddy, come rub my leg. My legs hurt. That, that growing is happening and it's accompanied by sleepless nights. And, and I would add, grow, every milestone is accompanied by sleepless nights and or tears. There's lots of crying during those times as well. There's lots of struggle. If you've ever taught a child to walk, you know there's walking and falling and crying and and repeat. Walk, fall, cry, repeat. If you've ever taught a child to ride a bike and there wasn't crying involved, you didn't do it right. There should be crying involved. There should be skinned knees and elbows and running off crying. Every milestone... In a child's life, seems to be accompanied by sleepless nights and tears. And I got bad news for Zach and Nicole and any of the rest of you that are young parents. It doesn't get any better. You send them off to school and there's sleepless nights. And then they go to middle school and there's sleepless nights. And then they go to high school and there's sleepless nights. Then they drive out of the driveway for the first time and there's sleepless nights. And then you send them to college and there's sleepless nights. Every milestone of growth is accompanied by sleepless nights and tears. This is the way growth is. We resist it. We, we don't want it, but it's the reality. If I'm going to grow, there's going to be some struggle. If you're in that season now, if you're struggling, and as many of us are through this season, if you're, if you're struggling, if, if there's tears, if there's sleepless nights, maybe God's growing you. Maybe this is a part of New growth pushing to the surface that God's going to use in your life. I, I was listening to a, a, an Andy Grammer song. What? I, I have lot, lots more time alone right now. I'm, I'm listening to a lot of Spotify. Okay, don't judge. Plus, some of you keep posting that video of him singing with all the school children that always makes me cry. So after the last time I watched that video, I finally decided, well, what else does this guy sing? He sings a song, and the title is Wish You Pain. I wish you pain. And when I first hear the song, I think, well, he's singing about some ex-girlfriend that dumped him, and he's hoping that person feels pain. That's not what the song's about at all. He's actually singing to somebody he cares about, somebody he loves deeply. And he's saying, I wish struggle and pain in your life because that's how we grow. Here's just one short lyric from that song. Because I love you more than you could know and your heart, it grows every time it breaks. I know it might sound strange, but I wish you pain. Well, that's a tough thing to say. That's a tough thing to pray, but we know it's true. We know that in order for our kids to grow, there's going to be some pain along with that growth, and the same thing's true of us as adults. For there to be growth, there's going to be struggles, there's going to be pain, and and, and sometimes the struggle and the darkness collide, right? We're struggling under the service, and nobody else knows except us and God, but God's working on us, and I'm not saying you shouldn't share that with other people. We need encouragement. You probably need a few people that you can confide in. But sometimes struggle and the darkness collide, and we're the only ones that know the degree to which we're hurting. God's doing work right there. Where there's struggle and darkness, God is doing work in the places that only you and He know about because that's how growth happens. Again, a reminder. We mentioned a little bit last week. Growth takes time. It takes time. It's in the dark. It almost always involves struggle. And it always takes time. No one would plant a seed today and then run back tomorrow and dig it up to see how it was doing. Nobody would do that. Because we know that it takes time for a seed to produce fruit. The darkness the struggle that we're experiencing, given time, God is producing a harvest through that. James said it this way. This is James chapter one. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And here's the phrase, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Let this struggle finish the job that it's doing. Let perseverance finish its work. Come to maturity. It's not going to happen overnight. It may not be a quick fix. Let perseverance finish its work. God's doing something. In the struggles of your life, in the darkness of your life, God's growing something. Let perseverance finish the work that God is trying to do in your life. Think about it this way. We shouldn't rush to harvest what God's still trying to grow. We shouldn't rush to harvest what God's still trying to grow. And I think we all have that tendency, don't we? I just want this to be over. I just want to learn the lesson. God, whatever the lesson is, I want to learn it. Just, I want to move on. We, we, We rush To harvest the fruit that God's still trying to grow in. He's not done yet. He's still working on that area. I'm always surprised when when someone has compassion for them. But but I sometimes see people who just come out of a difficult situation. They're just emerging from a, a loss or a tragedy or a difficult season of their life or our personal failure. Sometimes I see it that way too. They're just emerging from really bad decisions or, or a personal failure. And they immediately have decided they're an expert now on going through that. And they want to tell everybody else how they should do it. They want to write the book now. And they're just emerging from it. And I want to say, look, can you let that grow a little bit? Can you get some perspective? Can you can you can you let the fruit ripen? from that season, instead of rushing to harvest what God's doing. I think He's doing something in you, but let's not rush to harvest that. Can I just give you a pastor confession right now, just between you and me? I mean, nobody else is going to see this. It's not like it's online or anything. This Just a, a true confession from a pastor. I, I, I'm, I've grown weary of the pastors and Christian bloggers and Christian conference speakers who really like a week into this pandemic were already telling everybody what they should be doing with their churches they they were already giving the 10 the top 10 list if you're a pastor you should be doing these 10 things in a pandemic and I wanted to say you know this is my first pandemic I thought it was your first one too I I, I thought we were all learning how to move through this, and I think God's going to teach us something. Maybe we should let this grow a little bit before we all decide we're experts on how to do that. We rush sometimes to harvest what God is still trying to to grow. It's it's like the person that takes a selfie on their second visit to the gym. And I don't want to be discouraging if you're on your second visit to the gym, go you. You're doing great. Stick with it. Maybe don't post the selfie yet. Right? Like, like their second visit to the gym, they're, they're suddenly now an expert on working out. So we get the treadmill selfie on the second visit to the gym. Maybe you should let that thing grow a little bit. That's all I'm saying. You know, maybe, maybe you just see how it plays out. Like, give it time. Like, give yourself some time to learn And grow. And 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 I and that's true, I, I think in almost every area of our life, including the spiritual area. Because we are a public promotion society, we rush to show everybody this thing that we've learned, or to help everybody understand. We're the one that figured it out. We're the smartest ones. We know everything. But just don't rush to harvest. What what God's still trying to grow. In your life, if I could say just a word to to the younger crowd, and I get it, at my age, most of you are the younger crowd. I'm talking about the 16, 17, 21, 22, 23 crowd. Love you. So glad that you're here. Hope we're meeting your needs uh, through this time spiritually and providing things for you. Let me say something to that crowd. Don't be in a rush to harvest what God's still growing in you. I, 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 God's going to use you, God has plans for you, God has platforms for you, God has designs and purposes for you, but but I do see in all of us, including the younger generation, I see this rush to get noticed, to be discovered, to be found, to get on a certain platform, to have a certain audience. Can, can you just let God grow you a little bit? Huh? Can, can, you, can you give God time to develop what he's doing in your life so that you would bear a full harvest. See, part of the problem, I think, is we're all rushing around with, with green fruit, right? With fruit that's not quite ripe. Th- thinking, thinking, yeah, this is what people need. You know, you know what the world needs? Here's what I'm convinced. The world needs people who are fully mature in Christ people who have spent enough time underground in the dark wrestling through growth and they didn't rush to harvest that growth right away they let God continue to mature them. they let, they let God continue to grow them until now they bear the fruit of gentleness and kindness and joy and meekness they, they, they pray consistently, they, they know God's word, they they're rooted in love. And what, what the world needs are Christians who have given God time to grow them so that they can be used. Don't, don't rush to harvest what God's still cry, trying to grow because the world needs to meet Jesus through the fruit that we're bearing. See, I don't think most people have rejected Christ they've rejected some of the things they've seen in Christianity but they haven't rejected the compassionate mature deep love of Jesus. Let's allow God to grow us into full maturity so that we can be used by Him for eternal purposes in this world. Pray with me. God, thank you. Thank you that we're all a work in process. Thank you that we all have room to grow. So I pray through your spirit that you would grow us. Help us not to get in a hurry. Help Help us not to rush beyond the growth that you've given us. Help us not to harvest fruit that you're still trying to grow in us so that one day we will be presented as fully mature in Christ bearing the characteristics of Jesus Himself as much as we can humanly possible. Demonstrate the fruit of Christ to a world that is starving for the person of Jesus. Help us to grow into those people. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.